Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Fios Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. Now on to the talking news. Belmont Veterans Remember Premiers by Ellen Schreiber. For the first time, Belmont's veterans tell their stories in a new documentary film, Belmont Veterans Remember. I think I had something to say to the people watching, said Bill McAvoy, who grew up on Belmont Street. I always wanted to get into the service. But you have to go in eyes wide open. It's not like on TV. Then he added, we stand together. Many veterans spoke about the men and women they served with from so many different places, backgrounds, and beliefs. But none of that mattered. You know who has your back. You know that they will be there for you, McAvoy said of his former comrades in arms. On Sunday, November the 5th at 4 p.m., at Town Hall Auditorium, the Belmont Veterans Memorial Committee will present the premiere screening of Belmont Veterans Remember, a film created from, from oral history interviews that were conducted by Belmont High School history students in March of 2017. The veterans in the film served during World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, and Afghanistan, as well as peacetime. They were military police, pilots, logistics, engineers, translators, and soldiers. They were privates and generals. The film follows them from basic training to their posts overseas and in the U.S. and back home again. There is no interviewer on screen, no narration telling you what to think. It's just a veteran telling his or her story. The film's creators believe these veterans' stories are worth telling. I've had a lifelong interest in military history, said Jerry Meserve, a Belmont Media Center producer and editor of the film. I look forward to this project. There wasn't one interview that wasn't captivating in some way. I wanted to show their good humor and bright personalities. Their stories were vivid, Meserve said. What was most mind-blowing to me, there are these guys from World War II talking about their experience. They're in their 90s and they remember everything, Meserve explained. The film is a collaboration between the Belmont Veterans Memorial Committee Belmont High School and Belmont Media Center. Hannah Power and Chloe Tingos were high school sophomores last year when they interviewed veterans. To be 100% honest, I never thought what I was what it was to be a soldier and to leave everything behind. It was eye-opening, Power said. These are people who saw it firsthand. When one of the veterans told us a story, I could tell he remembered it like it was yesterday. 
It was a meaningful experience for both students and veterans. I could sit and listen and ask follow-up questions for hours. I loved doing it. Then she added, they gave us good advice. Tingos had a similar reaction. I put into perspective a lot of things we've been learning about in class. It's so different from reading a textbook to hear directly from the people who have done great things in their lives. They taught us how difficult the times were and how our country overcame things together. The oral histories and film projects were conceived by the Belmont Veterans Memorial Committee, a group of committed Belmont residents, current and past, who have worked tirelessly to raise money to restore and enhance the Veterans Memorial at Clay Pit Pond. And now, from a $100,000 challenge grant from the Belmont Savings Bank Foundation, they have launched a fundraising campaign to pay for repairs and upgrades. The memorial has seen better days. What we have now is a plaque that is broken on a flagpole that is far too high in an area that has been neglected, said Leon Kondratik, a military historian and committee member. The new memorial will be used by veterans, families of servicemen and women, and the public at large. We want to create a place to reflect and an elegant memorial befitting of Belmont's veterans who have served since 1861, he added. With a location on the soon-to-be-built intergenerational walking path along Clay Pit Pond, the memorial will be highly visible. And over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Experts, no amount of alcohol safe during pregnancy. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to lifelong effects by Allison Lario, news contributor. When Kathy Mitchell became pregnant with her daughter, Carly, no one knew that drinking alcohol could cause serious disorders that impact the baby and the entire family for the rest of their lives. I was like a Woodstock kid, she said. When I got pregnant, I stopped doing drugs. Everybody knew that could be bad for the baby. I drank wine. I didn't even know. It wasn't until 1973, the year Kali was born, that research first stated alcohol was causing birth defects, Mitchell said. She didn't know about it right away, though, and by then, Carly had been diagnosed with cerebral palsy. When Carly was born, about 13 or 14, I was on the road to recovery and was taking classes to become a counselor when I stumbled on alcohol syndrome information, Mitchell said. Not having the correct diagnosis is more common than not. Doctors aren't asking the questions about alcohol exposure. Most of the time, it is parents who figure it out. September is Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Awareness Month, and the goal is to get the word out that fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, a range of lifelong disabilities, are completely preventable. The key message is simple. No alcohol is safe during pregnancy. It's important because prenatal alcohol exposure can damage a developing brain at every stage of pregnancy. 
While primary prevention is the foremost public health concern, those who work in the field also stress the importance of helping the affected persons and their families with treatment and support. The National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, or NOFAS, states on its website that it was started in 1990 by Patty Munter, who recognized the impacts of fetal alcohol syndrome among Sioux tribes across her state of South Dakota. Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Awareness Month was started in September 2015 as a national campaign to raise awareness of the risks of drinking alcohol during pregnancy and the needs of children and adults living with FASD. In 2014, the CDC launched a strategic cross-discipline partnership with the National Association of Social Workers, the American Academy of Pediatrics and other leading medical organizations and several universities to help prevent fetal alcohol syndrome. The National Social Work Discipline Team, led by Texas member and clinical social worker Sandra Gonzalez, an instructor at Baylor College of Medicine, includes practitioners from Baylor, the University of Texas at Austin School of Social Work, and the University of Missouri. Gonzalez told NAS News in April 2016 that the group's goal was to build a multidisciplinary team approach through partnerships to bridge the research to practice gap in fetal alcohol syndrome prevention. Preventing fetal alcohol syndrome. Gonzalez and past president of the Tennessee chapter said she was drawn to the um, fetal alcohol syndrome issue for the same reason social work drew her in. Consideration of the unique needs of vulnerable and at-risk groups, not only the children and families of those with FAS, but ways we can prevent it. With the partnership with professional organizations and medical societies, we're trying to get information out to a nationwide audience about preventing preventive services that can be delivered by various outreach agencies, she said. Doctors, that's something we are working on, Gonzalez said. We're training physicians and their staff, from small practices to larger health systems, social workers, and other health care providers. It includes providing information that women should not drink at all if they are planning to become pregnant, she said. Our training includes talking with healthcare professionals about the effects of prenatal alcohol exposure and encouraging them to discuss options for reducing the risk, Gonzalez said. Ultimately, we want to send the clear message that there is no safe time, no safe amount, and no safe type of alcohol during pregnancy. Now here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Examining solutions for DPW police, working on short-term and long-term solutions for facilities in dire need of upgrades, renovations, by Joanna K. Tsuvelis. <coughs> the Major Capital Projects Working Group gave interested residents a sneak peek at the short-term and long-term solutions they will be proposing for Belmont's public works and police facilities at the upcoming special town meeting November 13th. 
According to Chairman Anne-Marie Mahoney, both facilities are in dire need of upgrades and renovation. Said Mahoney, employees and townspeople need a safe and accessible place to visit with equal facilities for male and female employees. Mahoney said the short-term solutions would give eight to ten more years of use for each facility, the same amount of time they would, that would be needed to fund the bond borrowed to pay for the renovations. The short-term renovations for the Department of Public Works facility would create an appropriately sized break space, locker rooms, rest areas, shower and toilet facilities for both male and female employees, appropriate heating and ventilation, and accessible office space. A building would also be added for washing vehicles. The price tag for these renovations would be $1.6 million. The police station renovation would include a locker room for female officers, the addition of a sally port where prisoners would be brought into the station, a safe area to lock up weapons, an improved booking area, additional evidence storage, an elevator, a handicap ramp, and additional parking. The price tag for these short-term renovations would be $2.8 million. Mahoney said her working group still needs to do more research and put the finishing touches on these short-term solutions before a special town meeting. The amount of money they would be asking town meeting members to approve is for the schematic designs for the short-term solutions for each of the facilities, $123,019 for the DPW building and $260,211 for the police department building. Mahoney also presented the working group's ideas for long-term solutions for each of the facilities, which would include building a brand-new public works facility and police station on the existing site, 37 C Street. Mahoney said the buildings would be designed with low sight lines and plenty of screening for neighbors. Another requirement would, for the plan to work would be to change Woodland Street from a private way to a public road, so police and public works vehicles could access Pleasant Street and not create additional traffic on nearby residential streets. Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin said the new location would work much better than the current congested location on Concord Ave. Being closer to the public works yard would also give officers easier access for fuel and repairs for their vehicles. It is also closer to the Belmont Fire Department headquarters and Belmont Light Department. Mahoney said relocating the police station would also free up the existing building to be sold for private use, which would help fund the new buildings. Tours will be held at the Public Works facility on Saturday, November 9th from 9 a.m. to noon. Residents can also schedule a tour of the Belmont Police facility by emailing Assistant Chief James McIsaac at jmcisaac at belmontpd.org. Don Mercier, town meeting member, Precinct 8, recommended building the new police station rather than spending almost $3 million on the short-term term fixes. He also recommended a steel structure for the public works facility because such a facility may cost less to build and can survive an earthquake. Jack Weiss, town meeting member, Precinct 1, said he was concerned about the visibility and accessibility of the police station moving from its current location in the center of town to the Public Works campus. Weiss also asked if the working group considered rebuilding the police station on the existing site. 
using the Belmont Municipal Light Plant building once it is no longer needed by Belmont Light. McLaughlin reiterated the current site has too many negatives, including traffic, the railroad, and the hill. Mahoney said the working group will explore the option Weiss proposed. Roger Colton, town meeting member, Precinct 8, asked if the working group might considered selling the Municipal Light Department building as another potential source of capital funding. He said he is a proponent of multiple of municipal light companies, but would like the ideas to be considered before it is rejected. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Rats Close Joey's Park by Joanna K. Zavallis. Joey's Park, next to Winbrook Elementary School in Belmont, is now closed due to a rat infestation. We are not allowing students to use Joey's Park. It has been determined that there is a rat infestation below the play structure, Principal Janet Carey wrote in an email to parents on October 19th. While students and staff have not reported sightings in the park, tunnels are apparent and numerous park and recreation department overseers Joey's Park and they are moving swiftly to address the situation. In the meantime, I wanted you to be aware of the problem and be assured that the park will be off limits to the students until the problem has been resolved, Carrie added. On October 23rd, a letter from Belmont Public Works Director Jay Marcotte and Director of Belmont Health Department Wesley Chin was sent to all Winbrook area residents advising them of the problem and how to be and how it is being addressed. Assurance Pet Solutions, a professional pest control operator, will treat the rudent burrows uh, with rat out gel, a deterrent substance that consists of active ingredients such as garlic oil and white pepper and trap the nuisance wildlife in baiting stations located throughout the park, stated Marcotte and Chin in a letter. The letter adds, this section of the park will be regularly monitored and treated by the professional pest control operator over the next three to four weeks, and it will remain closed until the problem is safely resolved. Educational material on how to keep property clean and less likely to experience a rodent infestation was included with the letters to the Winbrook residents. It includes how to locate evidence of rodent burrows and information on conditions that may attract rats and instructs residents to contact a professional pest control service if they find evidence of rodents. Public Works Director Jason Marcotte sent a letter to the town administrator October 20 which is on the town website. It states the Joey's Park Playground will be closed temporarily to mitigate the rodents in the area. Town officials are working with an experienced contractor to implement an appropriate plan to end the situation and to safely reopen the playground. The, the playground will reopen as soon as possible. We appreciate your patience during this time. Marcotte said the park's crew noticed big holes under the gazebo. 
He said he is investigating the safest possible solution. It's a problem in Metro Boston, and eliminating food sources is the first thing to eliminate. The park is heavily used, and trash barrels are always overflowing, said Marcotte. According to Belmont Health Director Wesley Chin, the town first became aware of the problem October 13, when a concerned mother called the health department to report seeing possible rat burrows. Health and DPW immediately went over to the park to verify the complaint. DPW then took steps to determine if the burrows were still active. This process took a few days to confirm. In the meantime, DPW has been licensed pet control operators access the park and is in the process of reviewing treatment plans that will be submitted, said Chin in an email on October 20. Rats part of, of urban environment, he said, is not sure why there are rats at Joey's Park, but if there is an easily accessible food source nearby, such as food scraps and even dog waste, they will likely be attracted to it. Rats are a natural part of our urban environment. We often bring food and snacks to enjoy at our parks, so it is not entirely unexpected that rats might follow close behind and find their way into the parks too. It is important for people clean up after using our parks. Adoption of a carry-in, carry-out mentality might be one way to prevent future problems, said Chin in an email on October 20. Public Works is working with town officials and Town Department of Health, the Belmont Public Schools, the Belmont Police Department to resolve this issue as quickly as possible. However, a timeline will be based on what the pest control operator thinks is the most effective and safe way to resolve the problem, said Chin. According to Chin, there have been 40% increases reported rat sightings in Belmont this year, based on calls tallied between May through August of this year in comparison to last year. That translates to 23 calls last year and 34 this year during that same period. This is a trend that many communities in the greater Boston area may also be experiencing, said Chin. And over to Claire. Thank you. Two more planning board members resign by Joanna K. Zuvelis. Planning board, Belmont planning board members Liz Allison and Barbara Fiaco have each submitted letters of resignation to the Board of Selectmen. The letters, submitted October 23rd, come exactly one week after planning board member Rafi Manjikian submitted his letter of resignation, claiming misconduct by the current chairman, Charles Clark, at a September 5th board meeting. Allison's and Fiaco's letters were very concise. Allison's did not give a reason for her resignation. Quote, I am grateful for the opportunity to have worked with some very fine people and served a fine town, it states. Please let me know if there is anything I can do to be helpful as the process moves forward. I look forward to seeing you at the November town meeting. 
Now to Max. Thank you, Claire. State MCAS scores are down. Belmont High School is now a level two. Belmont High School's state accountability rating was downgraded following the results of the spring 2017 MCAS tests. Just half of Massachusetts students in grades 3 through 8 met or exceeded expectations on the new Next Generation MCAS test in Math and English Language Arts, ELA. The first time the test, this, the first time the test has been administered. Massachusetts education officials released the spring 2017 test results on October 18th. State education officials were quick to caution against making direct comparisons between a student's performance on the new test and the original nearly 20-year-old MCAS. Scoring for the new test falls into four categories, exceeding expectations, meeting expectations, partially meeting expectations, and not meeting expectations. As a result, some students who scored proficient on last year's MCAS test may find they only scored partially meeting expectations on the new tougher exam. We're establishing a new baseline, so comparisons with the past are difficult, said State Education Secretary James Pizer. They really are apples and oranges. The new hybrid exam mixes elements of the familiar Boston Comprehensive Assessment System, MCAS, test, with another test aligned with federal common core state standards known as the Partnership for Assessment of Readiness for College and Careers, or PARCC, test, which was developed by a national consortium that includes Massachusetts. Belmont High School knocked for insufficient progress. In Belmont, across grades 3 through 8 in both ELA and math, 75% of students scored in the meeting or exceeding achievement levels. Belmont High School students took the Legacy MCAS in 2017, and the accountability system remains the same as before. The high school is level 2 this year because our students in the high-needs subgroup, economically disadvantaged, students with disabilities, and English, English language learners, did not make sufficient progress toward the target of all students achieving proficiency, said Assistant Superintendent Janice Darius. Darius said the high school administration, curriculum leaders, and special educators have been analyzing the data since the end of August and are reviewing with student, how students with disabilities are supported to access the curriculum, both in terms of how special educators support the students and how teachers support the students. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Decoding Dyslexia to Host Information Session. Decoding Dyslexia Massachusetts and local chapter Decoding Dyslexia Belmont will host an afternoon of expert speakers discussing the latest research concerning the science of dyslexia from 2 to 4 p.m. November 18 at the Belmont Public Library, 336 Concord Avenue. The event will feature three local researchers who will present the latest research on best practices for the assessment and remediation of dyslexia. Speakers include Drs. Nadine Gabb, Charles Hayes, and Melissa Orkin. Everything from the neuroscience of dyslexia to effective interventions will be discussed. 
This event is free and open to the community. And over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Beach Street Center to host a veteran's breakfast. Beach Street Center, 266 Beach Street, Belmont, will host its third annual veteran's breakfast from 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on November 8th. The, this event is free to all veterans. Doors open at 9 a.m. Attendees can meet Veterans Service Officer Bob Upton and local representatives over coffee and breakfast. Boston High School's B-Flats will perform and help serve the meal. Breakfast is limited to 75. Call 617-993-2970 to reserve a seat by November 1st. Over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Belmont native to present memoir, The Do-Over. Local author Amanda McKenzie, who grew up in Belmont and lives in Cambridge, will speak on her memoir, The Do-Over, at 7 p.m., November 1st, in the parlor of Plymouth Congregational Church, 582 Pleasant Street, Belmont. The Do-Over is a story about waiting for clarity, trusting inner wisdom, and the turns life takes. After her talk, the author will be signing books. Purchase a copy of The Do-Over at the talk or Belmont Books for $16. And back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you have enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.